welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. It's been said that families are like fudge, mostly sweet with lots of nuts. If you feel like your family tree resembles that statement, then no worries. All of them do. Our families are no doubt a gift, but they're imperfect because we as humans are imperfect. Decisions we make today can affect our kids tomorrow, just like the decisions our parents made are still affecting us today. So how do we not repeat the mistakes and sins of our family's past? More than that, how do we cultivate an atmosphere of love for all of our family right now? We explore those questions and more in our series, Family Matters. Let's dive in and continue the upward journey. What a joy it is to be together. Today we're going to talk about parenting. Any parents in the room today? Can I see your hand? I remember very well when I first uh, brought home, Alexa and I brought home our firstborn child, our son. And, and when you, you're married, you know, you're going to have a baby. There's all this activity. There's all this excitement. You have showers. You have parties. You all have all this wonderful stuff going on. Everybody's there. Finally, the day comes. You go to the hospital. You have the baby, and everybody comes to see you. There's all this fanfare and gifts and just wonderful. Everybody's there. Then there's a moment when you pull the car up and they bring that baby out and you put that baby in the back seat in a car carrier and you start driving home and all of a sudden all the fanfare and all the parties and everything else is over and you realize that you have in the back seat a life that's dependent on you for everything I remember people talk about the joy of bringing their baby home, and that was a wonderful thing for me, the joy and Alexa to bring this wonderful baby home. But I just remember the weight of it all on me. I was thinking, man, this marriage thing has been fun, but it's getting serious now. There is a baby in the back seat who we've got to pay for everything, and that goes on forever. We've got to teach this kid how to live, and he's going to live a long, full life after we're gone, and we're responsible for training this kid how to live. There was a weight of it. And can we just be honest? There are moments in parenting when you think, oh God, I'm a terrible parent. Have any of y'all ever had moments like that? Any of you parents ever just have a moment when you're like, oh God, I really stink at this? Once when this precious little boy was two or three years old, he got an ear infection. Any of y'all ever been through a three-year-old with an ear infection? That is a terrible, horrible thing to go through. Michael just screamed when he had an ear infection. They can't tell you exactly what's wrong, and you're wondering what's wrong. Everybody's stressed out. It's late, so he's screaming, and we're just pouring stuff in his ear. Anything we could find, you know, to try to make it better. Not that bad. Uh, we're giving him medicine. We're trying everything we can just to get him to calm down and stop crying so we can all go to bed. And finally, we get him calmed down. And he had this little wooden rocking chair that we bought him. And we sat him in front of the TV. And he started rocking. And he started, we had a DVD 
of this endless loop of cartoons that he loves. So to calm him down, we put him in the rocking chair, and he started rocking, and he started watching these cartoons, and finally, for a moment, he calmed down. So we had just a moment of peace, and our bedroom was just right there next to the living room there, and we thought, we're just going to lay down for a second and let him watch cartoons for just a second, and then we're going to get up and make sure he's okay. 6 a.m., we wake up. It's like 11 p.m., we put him down. 6 a.m., we wake up, and the cartoons are still going. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is out there? I'm afraid to go to the living room. I look around the corner, and he's sitting there rocking like this, watching those cartoons. He was up all night long with an ear infection, watching cartoons. And that was the moment that we did not win the Parent of the Year Award. In fact, I just asked my wife right before church, can I tell this story? And she said, don't tell that story. Then she said, okay. <laughs> Anybody been there? Somewhere near there? Many of you are like, I'm not confessing to anything like that. <laughs> You've been somewhere close to that and just felt like, man, I am not the parent of the year right now. Maybe you felt that way with your kids. Maybe some of you are older and your kids have gone off the rails a little bit. And you look back on your parenting life and think, what did I do wrong? Where did I miss it? Can I just ask a quick question? How many of you went off the rails a little bit before you got your life back on track? Can I see your hands? So parents, look around this room today and understand most of us here had some time that our lives went off the rails. Now, if you think you are a terrible parent, I'm going to help you today because these people we're going to talk about today were terrible parents i got to confess something to you. When I see somebody that's not doing such a good job at something that I do, and I see them not doing such a good job, this is probably not the right way to be. But sometimes it's a relief to me because I think at least I'm not as bad as that. <laughs> Anybody ever watch Jerry Springer? Nobody's going to admit that in church. Okay, let me make it easier for you. Have you ever been flipping through the channels and saw the security team at Jerry Springer coming out and you stop for just a moment to say, what's going on here? Now, I made you feel better, so three of us raise our hands now. We got a line problem here this morning. I think we watch crazy shows like that sometimes just to say, hey, I may be struggling, but I'm not as bad as that. You're going to get that chance today in the series Family Matters. We're in the family of Abraham, his son Isaac, and Isaac's son Esau and Jacob. And i got to be honest with you, when we started planning this series initially some months ago, we were going to kind of go through the Bible and pick out family problems in different spots in the Bible. And so we started in Genesis, and I'm just going to be honest, before we got out of Abraham's family, we had enough material for a whole series. <laughs> the family's got issues. Pastor Greg did a wonderful job two weeks ago talking about Abram and Lot and how to draw some boundary lines and set limitations with family members who are pulling you in the wrong direction. Last week we talked about breaking generational patterns of sin. Today we're going to look at Isaac and Rebekah's sons. They had twin boys named Jacob and Esau. And we're going to look at their lives. Unfortunately today we're going to learn a whole lot of what not to do you can learn from everybody. From the wise, you learn what to do. From the foolish, you learn what not to do. And in, in Isaac and Rebekah's 
case of parenting, we're going to learn what not to do. Genesis chapter 25, verses 19, or verse 21, it says this, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. God answered his prayer and gave him a double portion of what he'd asked for. He had twins. So Rebekah finds herself pregnant with the very first twins ever mentioned in the Bible. And this strange thing happens in verse 22. It says, But the children struggled with each other in her womb, So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. Now understand, this is pre, way pre-ultrasound days. Today you can get almost a a portrait of what your baby's going to look like. In their day, they had no way of x-raying. They had no way of really knowing there were two heartbeats there. No way of knowing there were twins. Uh, All that Rebecca knew is there was a war going on inside of her, in her womb. Can you imagine that? What, I can't imagine what it would be like to be pregnant. I tell my wife all the time, I'm thankful God chose her to do that. She would come to me and say, look, his little elbow is sticking out. Come feel of it. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm getting away from that. I've seen the movie Alien and something can pop out of there. That's not good. I didn't even like that. Rebecca has got a wrestling match going on inside of her. These two kids are fighting. You think yours are bad. They're fighting before they could even breathe. They're wrestling with each other, and she didn't understand as she asked the Lord about it. And it's very important to understand what the Lord said. It says this in verse 23 and 24, And the Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. Anytime you get a word from the Lord about your children, that is a powerful moment. And let me just stop and say this. God still speaks over children today. This is not just in the Bible. This is not just for Abraham. God still speaks over children today. And if you ask Him, He will speak to you about your children. So God speaks to her and says, These sons will become two nations. And from the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. Then He tells her this. One nation will be stronger than the other And your older son will serve your younger son. Now that was totally against the culture of the day. In the culture of the day, the younger always served the older. But God said, we're going to change something in your children's lives. These are two nations, and the older son will serve the younger. And then it says, when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered she did indeed have twins. Now you may think anybody ever met identical twins? look just alike and you can't tell them apart, these guys were not only not identical twins, they were absolute polar opposites. Verse 25 said, The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. Where did that come from? He's wearing a red fur coat when he comes out. So they named him Esau. The name Esau in Hebrew means hairy. They named him Harry. By the way, the Hebrews were relentless with their naming system. If they had a bad day, they would name you, this baby stinks. For real. If something bad happened on the day they were born, they would name them after it. They didn't do well with this. 
So they named Esau. He, he escaped pretty well. They just called him Harry. That was his identity. They gave him another nickname called Edom, which became the name of the nation he founded, the Edomites. And Edom means red. So basically they said, you're the hairy red guy. The other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Jacob means heel grabber or deceiver. How many of you believe they didn't do this kid any favors at all by naming him deceiver? I've said this many times and I'm going to say it again right now. Whatever identity you accept over your life, you will live that one out. You will live based on who you think you are. And they called this kid deceiver so long that that's the way he lived. Verse, 25, verse 27 and 28 says this. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. Of course, he's hairy. He's a big, hairy, red-headed guy who's the rugged, manly man who goes outdoors and kills things and eats them. It says this about Jacob. But Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. He was not loud. He was not the big, brash, manly man. He was not hairy. He preferred to stay at home. Now, there's a whole lot of mistakes that have already been made here, whether you see them or not. There's a whole lot of mistakes that Isaac and Rebecca are just building into their children. This story plays out in a crazy way. First of all, the rivalry. Can you imagine? They're already fighting in the womb, and then they come out, and they're totally different. The rivalry between Esau and Jacob kind of simmered beneath the surface for years. Jacob wound up stealing his brother's birthright. The oldest son in the family uh, got one-third of the, got two-thirds of the inheritance, twice as much as any other child. And Jacob wound up deceiving his brother out of his inheritance. Why? They called him deceiver, and he lived up to that identity that he assumed over his life. The rivalry was so intense that it wound up blowing up in such a big way that Rebekah and Isaac never saw Jacob again, and Esau was ready to kill Jacob to the point he had to flee for his life. Where did they go wrong? Today I'm going to tell you what not to do. You ready? Here's what not to do in raising your children. Where did Isaac and Rebekah go wrong? Number one, they raised their, cult, their children according to cultural norms rather than God's declared word. They raised their children according to the culture of the day rather than the word God had spoken over their children. If you've got a child, if you're about to have a child, I would pray and say, God, show me who you've called them to be. Show me the unique gifts that they have. Because I want to cooperate with you and raise them according to what you say, not according to what the culture says. Now, the wonderful thing about this is that Rebecca had already gotten a word from God. And the word from God said, these are two nations... And God spoke to her and said, the older will serve the younger. But the culture of the day said that the older son had to be the head of the family. Now, I know I'm playing a pretty big game of what if here, but let's just think about it. And this is a bit of out-of-the-box thinking, but I think some of the times out-of-the-box thinking helps us interpret the Scripture. What if Isaac and Rebekah had said, 
It may be the culture of the day for the oldest son to lead, but God spoke to us before these twins were ever born and told us that Jacob was to be the leader of the family. And we're going to raise him according to God's word rather than according to the pressure that's being put on us from the outside. Could it have saved Jacob from becoming the schemer and the deceiver that he was? See, he had a calling on his life to lead his family. He had a calling on his life to be the head of the nation of Israel. Later, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. God told him who he really was. If his parents had understood who he really was and raised him according to what God had said, would it have saved him from being such a deceiver? When God declares something, it's true. When God declares something, it's real. When God declares something, it's a standard that we must live by if we want to be successful, fruitful, happy, enduring. God's Word will endure forever. Will we raise our children? This is a decision you've got to make as a parent. Are you going to raise your children by the prevailing culture of the day? Or are you going to raise your children by what God says? I don't know how Jacob and Rachel uh, and Jacob and uh, Rebecca, I'm off to a whole other family. I don't know how Isaac and Rebecca would have done this. There would have been a pressure on them. There would have been a pressure to conform to what was going on around them. Do you know there's a huge pressure on us today as Christians from the culture? to compromise what we believe to be true. There is a huge pressure on us to bow to the culture today. And the culture today is saying, hey, you agree with me or we'll cancel you. You do what I say and you say what I say and you even think what I think or we will discredit you. That's a huge pressure for anybody to live with. I want you to understand, parents... It takes tremendous courage to be a parent in the world that we live in today. Because if you want your children to have a solid, successful, and happy life, if you want them to serve Jesus, you're going to have to have the courage to stand up and say no to many of the cultural pressures today and say, listen, you can raise your child this way, but here's how we're going to raise our children according to what the Bible says in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. And I want you to understand, it takes courageous parenting today to raise children. You've got to be willing to buck the trends. Culture today is just not helping us. Years ago, the culture helped us. I'm going to date myself right now so bad, but you can already tell I'm older than you. My wife and I are binge watching uh, Little House on the Prairie. She found it streaming, and so she is playing all the time. My goodness, that takes me back to my childhood. Any of you that were raised about the time I was, 70s, 80s, uh, you had to compete with Laura Ingalls. Perfect little child. I mean, she was bad for about 20, 30 minutes. Then she turned it around before the hour was up, and she was perfect. We're watching that, and I'm thinking, wow, this is really teaching some good stuff. 
What I'm trying to say is the culture used to give us a little bit of help towards some morality, towards some sanity, towards some cultural values that was actually positive and beneficial. But today, much of our music is about crime and violence. If you listen to music about killing people and you feed on that, that's what you're going to do. I know I'm being a little today, but we need a bit of that. I hope to give parents some courage to stand up and be different. I hope you can stand up to your kids and say, listen, while you're in my house, and let me just say something, parents, that still works. That still applies. While you're under my roof and I'm paying your way and you're not paying rent and I'm giving you food, I'm responsible for your life. And you're not going to feed on garbage that's going to wreck you. It takes some courage. Isaac and Rebecca just let this thing play out. And if you let things play out without being proactive... You can wake up one day and say, what have I done? Where did I miss it? I talked with an older minister one time, and I asked him, it's when my kids were little. He was a very busy and very successful minister, one that I, to this day, respect highly and love. And I asked him, I said, uh, tell me, if you had to go back and raise your children again, what would you do differently? Because I didn't want to make the same mistake with my children. And I said, he said to me, he said, I did not realize the impact the culture was having upon my children. And I wasn't proactive enough with that. Friends, you're going to have to raise your children for Jesus Christ. Got a wonderful message from a, from a man yesterday who was here last week as we talked about breaking generational curses and the man said, I won't tell you everything, I won't tell you certainly who he is, but he said, I've gone through my life and I'm cleaning out everything that has to do with the addictions of my past. Then he said, pray for me, I'm having a conversation with my daughter this afternoon and I'm going to apologize to her for some of the things I did in front of her. He said, I'm going to break those chains off my family forever. And I'm telling you, that was made my year, made my year to be able to hear a parent saying something like that. Now, first thing, they raise their children according to cultural norms and not God's declared word. Get a word from God for your children and raise them in that. Now, secondly, they fail to appreciate the individuality of their children. You can't raise them the same. They're different. Now, I want you to understand, I used to be an expert on children right up until I had children. You ever, you ever see these folks that, that comment on child-rearing and they don't have any. Used to make me mad. Now I'm kind of like, uh -huh, just have one of your own. You'll figure it out. I used to really believe that children were completely a product of their raising. That, uh, that you kind of got them as a blank slate and you wrote on them what you wanted to write. And, and you certainly do write things on them. But what I fail to understand is when they're born, they're different. Our first child was pretty much quiet pretty much compliant, pretty much 
go along with the program. Then we had our daughter. You know how long it took me to figure out that I'd been woefully wrong? Ah, one day. First night we brought her home. Now, my daughter's a wonderful, wonderful individual. She's watching right now, I'm sure, and I love you, sweetie, and you're wonderful. And she has gifts and talents and abilities that our son doesn't have. But, boy, she had a personality that was different. We brought her home the first night, put her down. She screamed all night long. No ear infection. She just screamed. And I realized, first thought was, where did this child come from? But all of a sudden, I realized she is vastly different from her brother. When you fail to appreciate the individuality of your children, you'll make big mistakes with them because you'll try to raise them like the other one. Now, Esau was a hunter. He was hairy, aggressive, outdoorsy, manly. Jacob was an indoor guy. He liked to cook. He hung out with his mom a lot. Many in our day, now you got to be careful with this. I'm going to caution you, and I might get myself in trouble a little bit. But it's okay. I can handle it. Many of our day would call Esau a man's man. Jacob's mama's boy. We deal in our society right now with tons of gender confusion. One of the biggest issues that's chewing up our children and spitting them out right now is the gender confusion issue that's going on everywhere. And it is that. It is a confusion. I've met with people. I've talked with people who struggle with this. This makes you mad. I love you anyway. You don't have to stay here if you don't want to. I do want you to, but if this makes you mad, okay. But I want you to understand, biblically and scientifically, there are only two genders. That's just it. Don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. We don't want to hurt people that struggle with this. When you look at people that struggle with that, there's a real person down there that's got some real issues that needs love, needs our compassion, needs our understanding, needs us to love them. So we're not going to go, yeah, preacher, get up there and let them have it. No, that's not what we're doing here. Uh-uh. Nope, we don't do that. But the truth remains. There's only male and female. That's it. A thousand years from today, if they dig up your bones and look at your DNA, they're going to know what you were, no matter what you decided to do. Okay? We okay? We all right? Can we go on? We contribute to that sometimes by language like, man's man, mama's boy. Jacob was just as much a man as Esau was. He was just different. Some guys love to dress in camo and go out and hunt, grow beards. Esau, they're hairy. You ever seen me try to grow a beard? You probably have. I can't grow one. It's scraggly looking. I don't love the outdoors. Some people like to go camp. I like hotels. Come on. There's perfectly good hotels everywhere. You don't need to go out and lay in the woods. (laughs) If you like that, go out there and freeze your... Self. <laughs> my dad, uh, I love my dad. My dad's, my dad's worked on cars all his life. 
My dad grew up and cars, old cars were his toys. He'd go out and crawl under the hood of a car and take motors apart and put them back together. My dad is incredibly mechanically inclined. I'm terrible with stuff like that. (laughs) Terrible. My dad can fix anything. And I really wanted to be like him and I just didn't have it. For years, I struggled. Some of you are going to shudder at this. But I struggled going into auto parts stores to ask for a part. I'd feel like less of a man because I didn't know what they were even asking me. (laughs) Some of the men are like, oh my God, I can't believe it. (laughs) I'd go into auto parts. I went in one time, I'm looking for wiper blades. And he's like, what kind of car is it? Honda Accord. He said, is that the 1.5 liter or 2.0? Uh, it's white. <laughs> I don't know. He said, I need to know if it's 1.5 or 2 or 2. I said, I want a wiper blade, not a piston. <laughs> I don't need a motor. I need a wiper blade. He wants to, me to figure all this out. I'm like, I don't know. I'd be intimidated to go in the auto parts store. I just didn't know. Let me just tell you something. You may not fit everybody's narrowly defined role of exactly what they think a man or a woman is. But you're just as much of a man and you're just as much of a woman because God made you that way. Can I get an amen? Because God made you that way. And sometimes when we narrowly define, you've got to be exactly like I am to be a man. Fathers and sons have this struggle. He's got to like what I like and do what I like to do. I like to read books. That's what I did when I was a kid. I told the congregation once, forgive me for fooling around too much, but I told them once years ago, I told people, I told you guys, I said, you know, I used to be a nerd. My wife talked to me after church, and, and she said, honey, I need to have a conversation with you. She said, first of all, That doesn't surprise them. (laughs) And she said, secondly, you still are. (laughs) But if you look around at the list of billionaires in the world today, (laughs) many of them were. What am I saying? Raise your children as individuals. Do you love them equally? Yep. The definition of love is this. If any, no greater love has a man than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's love. And I would lay down my life for either one of my children right now in a moment without a thought. I'd take a bullet for them today or my wife in any moment with a, without even a thought. I love them that much. Do I relate to them the same way? No. Because they're different people. Do I get along with them the same way? No, because they're different people. Any of you ever just struck? Can we just be honest here at Upward this morning? I'm going to quit here in a minute, but can we just be honest? Is it easier to get along with one of your children than the other one? Can we just confess that that's life and it's normal and it's okay? We tend to get along for a season with the one that's most like us. Then we go to war with them because they're like us. You mind how many times I've sat down with a parent and a child and they're at each other's throats and they say, what's our problem? The parent comes to me afterwards and says, why can't I get along with them? And I have to say, well, 
because they're just like you. We relate to them differently. We discipline them differently. Here's where this all ended up, and I've got to quit. Isaac decides that he's about to die. In reality, he had a lot of life yet to live, but Isaac is old. He's gone blind. He can't see anything, and he decides he's about to die, and it's time for him to give his fatherly, priestly blessing over his son Esau. Again, here he is giving the blessing to the wrong son against what God said. So he calls Esau in, and the Bible said it's very clear. Uh, Isaac loved Esau because he cooked good food. Rachel loved Jacob. He says to Esau, go out and go hunting and make me some dinner. And after I eat what you've killed and cooked, then I'm going to speak the blessing over you. Now, what happened here is Rebecca, Isaac's wife and Esau's mother, overheard this conversation. And she went and told Jacob, Guess, said, son, your dad's about to give his blessing. Esau went hunting. Hurry really quick. I'm going to go cook a goat. But that's what it was back then. I don't totally understand that one. But uh, I'm going to go cook a young goat and get it ready for your dad. And we're going to fool him into giving you Esau's blessing. Boy. You thought your family was dysfunctional. Mom is plotting with the son to deceive the dad. And so Jacob says, well, first of all, Esau's hairy and I'm not. And he'll know that it's not me. She said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get Esau's clothes and put them on you. They smell like Esau. Don't you imagine Esau was smelly? Yeah, he was smelly. We all know that. That's, he was a big furry hunter. He's smelly. So they go get his coat and his clothes and put them on Jacob. Then he said, but wait a minute, my brother Esau's a hairy man. So she said, we're going to get the skins of a goat and put them on your arms. Esau must have been incredibly hairy. We're putting goat skins on his arm. This is how bad it is. She dresses him up in Esau's clothes and puts hairy fur on his arms so he can go before his dad and receive his dad's blessing. If this family had lived in our day, they would be on Dr. Phil. <laughs> so you mean, Jacob, you dressed up in your brother's clothes to get the approval of your dad. How's that working for you? That's my best Dr. Phil I got. Can you see them on Dr. Phil? Just imagine that. Trying to become your brother to receive the approval of your dad. What a messed up bunch. Don't make your kids have to try to gain your approval by being something they're not. See, you're not raising those kids to be who you want them to be. There's a higher authority from heaven who's declared what they're to be. And you're to raise them to be what he wants them to be. Last thing they did wrong, they played favorites. Isn't it easy to have a favorite child? Nod your head yes right now. You don't want to. Isn't it easy to favor that one that's well-behaved? The one who does what you tell them? Some of you are like, I'd like to have one of those, and I'll let you know, Pastor. Okay. It's easy to make the firstborn the favorite because they came along when you had no other children. It's also easy to make the baby the favorite 
And you get these kids who are all stuck in the middle. They're nobody's favorite. They're just there. (laughs) Jacob lived in an environment where Esau was his dad's favorite and he was his mom's favorite. Guess what Jacob did? Talk about generational sin. Jump back to next week. uh, Jacob had a favorite wife. He also had a favored son named Joseph. Ever heard the story of the coat of many colors? He made him a coat to show, I'm dad's favorite. What happened? All his brothers hated him and tried to kill him. When you play favorites, you create tension among your children. You know what you'll do? You'll you'll get that role model who's the favorite, and you'll put so much pressure on him or her to be the model child in the family, they're going to have a real struggle living up to that. Because they won't always be perfect. And they'll get the, you know what the favorite child has to do. They get up the idea that to be loved, they have to perform well. And for the rest of their life, if they don't break this bondage, they'll live under a performance mentality that I, I gain through achievement. I'm talking to some firstborns right now. Don't play favorites with your children. Never say this. I'm going to quit, but never say, why can't you be like your You know why they can't? Because they're not. Amen? They're not. Raise them to be who God called them to be. Raise them according to God's declared word over their life. Raise them as individuals. Never compare them. Never put them in competition. You understand when you do this, Whoever gets the best grades on the report card gets this. Some of you are doing that now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Not all your kids are going to be equally as good at school. Just let me say this. Report cards are not the indicator of success. And that is so hard for me to say. I'm like, get the grades. But I had to learn that that's not the indicator of every win. Put them both in school. I didn't intend to tell this. I'm two minutes over. Can I finish up? Y'all say, yeah, you know I'm going to anyway. <laughs> Put our kids in a, in a wonderful Christian school. They were in middle school. It's one of the great things. We've got some wonderful public school leaders here too as well. And wonderful principals and teachers at Upward. We, we chose to put our children in a, in a Christian school because we wanted their school to back up what we're teaching them at home and their faith. And My oldest, Michael, you know, you have kids who are really serious about grades, then you have kids who are, they're okay. My son Michael and his wife told me not long ago, they said, Dad, C's get degrees. C's get degrees. I don't, I hate that. Like, you go in there and you get every point you can get. Don't turn anything in late. You make straight A's. Michael's, Michael got C's a lot. Now, Daniela, she's on a roll. Dean's list. She's in college now and got like a 3.9. Because she fights for those grades. I went to talk to one of Michael's teachers one time. And I said, what are we going to do with him? He's making C's. I made A's growing up. My son's making C's. What are we going to do? You know what teacher told him? She said, listen, Michael's his own man. He's going to be fine. 
He's not good at school, but he's going to be great at life. And I said, thank God. Turned out to be true. Raise those children for Jesus courageously. You'll be glad you did one day. Amen. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your precious people who've heard your word today. And I ask you today, be with parents today. Children have been through such a tumultuous time, being isolated, going through so much. God, our children have had a bit of a gap in the last couple years in their lives. I'm praying and I'm asking you to restore what was lost over our children. I'm asking you now to embolden and empower parents right here that will make a decision today to say yes to you, Jesus, and yes to raising their children for you, regardless of the cost, regardless of the pressure. In Jesus' name, amen. Upward, we're growing like crazy. Did you all know that? Last weekend, we had, even with it snowing early in the morning, last weekend, we had almost 1,300 people join us together in worship. It's probably the... Uh, it may be, I'm not sure, but it may be the largest non-holiday weekend we've ever had. So new people are coming, and we're so glad to have all of you here. Thank you for being a part of this great family. We're working on expansion plans, and you're going to see some good things coming forward. We're going to be remodeling our lobby really soon, and you're going to see a beautiful update there. We've been trying to remodel our bathrooms for months now, but the supply chain issues have held up materials. As soon as they get materials, we're remodeling with brand new bathrooms, more bathrooms. Can anybody say hallelujah, more bathrooms at Upward? And uh, then after that, we're going to be paving a beautiful parking lot right down here where there's gravel now and building a nice big building right back out here that's going to house children, students, connect groups, all kinds of ministries going to happen right back here. So we're working hard on that. That's coming. Bear with us with the space issues as we build together, all right? I just want to pray for you now, and I want to bless you with this. You are in a war. The Bible says, though, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and might and dominion in high places. I pray and bless you to be a warrior that faces the right enemy stands in the authority of Jesus Christ and wars for your family. Go out of this place. I commission you now to get out of here and take Jesus into your world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Love y'all. Thank you for being here. Love you so much. See you next week. We'll conclude this series next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at UCF. Dot cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.